Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. Here we go, and a loaded show, absolutely loaded. Welcome to the program coming up today. A new entertainment district at Tennessee, and also why NIL players, based off what I've been told, currently have too much leverage as far as prospects coming to schools and saying, I think I'm worth this. A little bit scary, something Tennessee and other SEC schools are going to have to deal with. And then Victor Wambanyana had me wondering the biggest bust of all time. In case you don't know him, he's the biggest basketball prospect since a guy named LeBron James. And I started thinking about other SEC ballyhooed players out of high school. Now, he is uh, old enough to come to the NBA, and he'll be the first pick by the San San Antonio Spurs. But came up with a couple of guys that you probably remember their name in recruiting – but you don't remember their name from the fall. So we will get to that a lot on the program. How are you, Caleb? Your lighting is much better, and hopefully we won't have any uh, sort of goofy technical issues like yesterday. But we're off and rolling. How are you, sir? I am doing good. Yes, I went from being an angel and heavenly to coming back down to earth. God has told me that I need to come back in man form. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to be blasphemous, guys. (laughs) How was your birthday, by the way? It was good. It was good. It was pretty cash. It's a Wednesday, so, you know, kind of not much to do. 
Gotcha. Rock it over the weekend if you need to, or maybe you did it last weekend. All right, here we go. Hit that like button. The thumbs up button helps us bring in more people. As the one, the only Jacob Warren would say, uh, tight end who's actually on vacation this week. So we won't be hearing from Jacob. We'll hear from Cooper. What do you think, Jacob Warren, about that subscribe button? What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. Yes, he does. So today, by the way, the Celebrate 98 series, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so, because we will visit with uh, Sean Ellis, who did quite well in the NFL, and uh, also another special guest. We'll have a couple of editions of the Celebrate 98 series coming up on the YouTube channel. So again, I encourage you to hit that like button and subscribe. Celebrate 98, 25 years since Tennessee won a national title. So let's take a look right now at CBS Sports ranking of the top 25 Power 5 college football coaches entering the season. Let's start with Tennessee. Josh Heupel jumps from number 33 to number 16 in a year. That's a very significant jump. When you start getting into the... Uh, five to 15 range. You're talking about guys that are competing for championships that are knocking on the door at especially a 14 playoff, but uh, a 12 team playoff as well. And then your next level are guys that have won a championship. So what do you think of Josh Heupel being number 16 in the country? Thoughts? Caleb? I think, I think this is significant. And one of the standout, parts of this ranking is who Josh Heupel jumped one. He jumped, he jumped a lot of people, but one of the pe- people that was at the, it was at the expense of who took a giant nosedive was Jimbo Fisher, who went from five to 20. Yeah. So Josh Heupel went from 33 to 16. So it's people are putting more faith in Josh Heupel than a national championship head coach. Now after just two years at Tennessee, and I don't think they're wrong. I mean, I put more faith in Josh Heupel than Jimbo Fisher. Other people he jumped, I mean, he's higher than Mike Gundy now. That threw me off. I didn't think he'd be higher than Mike Gundy. He's higher than Mark Stoops. That threw me off. Mike Norvell also made a giant jump. He made a bigger one than Josh Heupel from 47 to 19. But, again, that's because everybody is begging for Florida State to be good and they favor them more than any other program in college football. But <laughs> um, uh, I would a couple other ones that – Jumped big, Brett Belima, but Josh Heupel still ahead of him. Oh, another national championship head coach, Josh Heupel, jumped. Here's one, Mac Brown. I always forget he won a national title, but dude, too. Mac's kind of a weird one. He's kind of in that Steve Spurrier point in his career where basically anything he does at North Carolina, like Steve Spurrier did at South Carolina, is kind of gravy, right? I mean, they've already had incredible careers now Mac Brown was certainly helped out by a Vince Young I think Steve Spurrier's better coach so I'm not comparing them on actual resumes or merit but anything he does at North Carolina is kind of gravy so he's hard to really peg in a list like this I think yeah you know who Mac Brown funny enough it's funny you brought up Steve Spurrier that makes more sense until he went back to North Carolina Mac Brown reminded me of Philip Fulmer more than any other coach in college football they just seem like parallels of each other to a certain degree. Well, he still does to me. Um, so I think, um, I think, I think Mac Brown and Philip Former, there are a lot of similarities between the two. The one that is not similar is that Mac Brown was willing to take a lesser football school because he wanted to keep working and had kind of this second uh, enthusiasm with football. 
And we didn't see that out of Philip Fulmer. I think there was talk that he might take another job at one point, like a lower level group of five school. I'm kind of glad he didn't do that for his legacy. And then if he had any interest in getting back in athletics, Tennessee gave him an open door to be an athletic director, which was very questionable at the time. Yes. Yes. Very true. Which again, talk about putting your legacy at risk. He did that with his athletic director tenure. Um, a few that were ahead, I, Dave, I don't know where you come in on this, but I, I'm not so sure Dave Clawson should be ahead of Josh Heifel. I understand he's done a great job at Tennessee. He's one spot ahead of Josh Heifel, and he's done a great job at Wake Forest. But I think we're still underselling the turnaround Josh Heifel directed at Tennessee in two years. I think I've, I've, you know, I've been a bit of a Derek Dooley defender in the past. I've always talked about Derek Dooley inheriting a program on fire in an impossible situation. Josh Heupel, I thought, inherited a more impossible situation than Derek Dooley, and he turned it around quicker than any coach I've seen. So I think I might have him ahead of Dave Clawson, even though I think Dave Clawson hasn't maxed out what you can do at Wake Forest. Yes, agreed. But if Dave Clawson was a just a fantastic coach, he's maxed out what he's done at Wake. He was a former offensive coordinator at Tennessee. If he's that great and highly thought of by agents and other college football types, he would have got another job right now. Maybe he's comfortable, but I doubt that. I mean, football at Wake is a whole different thing compared to what he's used to, what he's seen at Tennessee. So I think he would like to be able to to have to a job in which he could – compete for championships so let's get to four downs right now four downs brought to you by our friends at Vassy lawn and garden man alive it's worth the drive Vassy lawn and garden their buying power will take care of you and your pocketbook how do they do that because with their buying power they'll save you on industrial commercial and residential mowers it is time for four downs and it's brought to you by the one the only Vassy lawn and garden go to Vassy.com Four downs, four questions, four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. Four. Four downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Okay. So they have Nick Saban, number one, over Kirby Smart. I understand the history, but right now from... What I've seen, and keep in mind, Georgia is, what, one and seven against Alabama? So it's not like they've completely turned the tide. Uh, hint, hint, hint. But based off of the recruiting and what I've seen on the field, I don't know how Kirby Smart's not the best coach right now in the nation. You want to take Alabama based off history, you can – but who you hire in tomorrow, not just because of age. Let's say you could get five years out of either. Let's don't worry about age. Let's say they're both 60 and you got five years to get as much as you can out of them. Which one are you taking, Kirby Smart or Nick Saban? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm still taking Nick Saban. If I can get five years, I'm still taking Nick Saban. And okay. I think, look, Kirby Smart said a – all things being equal, Kirby Smart's had a better job than Nick Saban's at. Georgia's a that's crazy to say, but if all oh, things right. are being equal, Georgia's a better job than Alabama. It's an easier job. You're absolutely right. Uh, I've got no argument with that. I think it's a better job. I think it's got a better recruiting base. So that was first down. 
you would have Alabama number one, as would I. Then you have Dabo Sweeney coming in at number three. Sorry, not on board with this. I'm not sure that he'd be in my top five, to be real frank with you. And the reason is, I think Brent Venables put together that defense a lot like John Chavis with talent was able to do under Philip Fulmer. We could go on and on and on. I'll bet how on the other side of the ball, Gus on at Auburn and uh, all, all the guys that have had success as coordinators really propped up a head coach. I think Venables propped up. Uh, Dabo Sweeney to a large extent, and I just don't see them winning another championship. So behind him is Lincoln Riley, Jim Harbaugh, Brian Kelly. Is Dabo Sweeney on second down overrated? I say absolutely at three. It's it's hard for me because I get your point. As a as a pure X's and O's coach, I'm with you. But the thing is, I can't knock Dabo Sweeney's and he's really good at at hiring the right staff. I mean, he just went and got Garrett Riley out of TCU. So, yeah, I think that, you know, we talk about the guru versus a CEO when it comes to head coaches. I don't think there's a better CEO in college football of a program than Dabo Sweeney because he knows who to hire. Now, he doesn't know what to say all the time. So, no, I would probably knock him down. I would probably put Jim Harbaugh ahead of him, and I would probably put Brian Kelly ahead of him. I'm not sure I put Lincoln Riley because, look, we're, I'm going to talk about this later this summer. It's one of the topics I've wanted to dive into comparing Lincoln Riley to Josh Heupel because they're very similar in certain ways, but they're like Heupel. There's a big question if Lincoln Riley will ever have the defense to win a national championship. You said something a couple of different times about Riley going to Clemson. You seem sold on that as a great hire as an offensive coordinator. He was at TCU. They put up incredible numbers, but how much of that was Sonny Dykes? I'm, I feel like I'm still unsure if that's a fantastic hire or not. Well, remember Sonny Dykes was fired by Cal and he had, he had a, he had a, he had a bit of a Mike Leach problem where rest in peace, where he was committed to his way of running the air raid and no other way. And I think Garrett Riley is the one that added more versatility to it. And so I, I do think, look, I put a little bit, I put a good bit of faith in Dabo with who he hires for his staff back in the day when he lost Chad Morris, which really helped propel Clemson was Chad Morris and running that spread. I don't even think Chad Morris is that good of a coach, but he ran a spread when no one was running it. He goes and gets Tony Elliott does a pretty good job there. I think what Dabo is very smart about doing is identifying what offense nobody else runs into his conference at the time. And he says, Hey, if I run that offense, they have to prepare for this in just one week. And that's going to be really, really hard. That's been Dabo's skill the whole time. Kind of like Georgia Tech and the triple option for years. Okay, so the top 10, we're going to get to the third down. Top 10, Penn State, uh, James Franklin is number 10. Wisconsin's Luke Fickle, 9. Ohio State's Ryan Day. Utah's Kyle Whittingham is number 7. LSU's Brian Kelly, number 6. Michigan's Jim Harbaugh is number 5. Southern California's Lincoln Riley is number 4. We talked about Dabo. Out of that 4 through 10 group, third down, who is overrated? Uh, I got two obvious ones, and it's uh, two Big Ten East coaches, James Franklin at 10 and Ryan Day at 8. We're on the same page. We're supposed to debate these, but I can't argue with either of those. Yeah, they're just both massively overrated. Yeah, I mean, there I believe there are – we talk about LSU being a great job, and it is, but I believe there are 15 to 20 coaches that could do what Ryan Day has done at Ohio State. Now – Kyle Whittingham's the interesting one to me as we get to fourth down, the most 
underrated coach. So we did overrated. We agree on Franklin and Day. Who's the most over or excuse me, underrated coach on this list? All right. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm scared, but I'm ready. All right. Hold on to your seatbelts. Clark Lee should be way higher than 56. Oh my gosh, at Vanderbilt. It's it okay, but that's the point. He's at Vanderbilt. He's at Vanderbilt, and he went five and seven. He beat Florida last year, okay, and he beat Kentucky. He's at Vanderbilt. I look, okay, Dave. A question: Clark Lee is number fifty-six. Billy Napier or Eli Drinkwitz is number fifty-one, and Billy Napier is number forty-three. Of those three coaches, who would you say did the best job last year? Of uh, which three again? Give them to me. Clark Lee at Vanderbilt, Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri, Billy Napier at Florida. Well, Clark Lee did. Wait, how are Billy Napier and Eli Drinkwitz ahead of him? Well, I was just going out of the t- top 10. You don't have Clark Lee anywhere close to the top 10, do you? No, Clark Lee is not my top 10. If there's a coach who should be top 10 who is not, I would go with Mark Stoops. I just think I, – I, I don't think we appreciate the job Mark Stoops has done in Kentucky. Interesting. Uh, the Mike Gundy thing, where did he end up on this ranking? Mike Gundy ended up at number, let's see, 17 on the ranking. Can we get a fifth down like the old Colorado game back in the day? Uh, he's always been overrated. Always. I think he's got a good offensive mind. I Look, I think he's a snake. I'm going to be honest with Mike Gundy. I, I, one, for those who don't know, he lied to Trooper Taylor. You probably know that story, Dave, right? Just flat out lied to him to lure him away from Tennessee. Um, uh yeah, but I think Trooper was pretty motivated to move, too. That's probably true. But on top of that, that whole that whole I'm a man, I'm 40 thing that he did, that was nothing but virtue signaling at the time. That was to try to make a statement to recruits of, look at how I defend my players. Ask the player who he was defending at that time. That player was never happy about Mike Gundy doing that at all. He transferred at the end of the year. He thought, he says, he will tell you to this day that Mike Gundy did that for show to promote himself and not and it wasn't in defense of the player. Here's here's the bottom line with Mike Gundy. He's best known for having a mullet, best known for screaming his age at a reporter. And by the way, it was people that demean reporters, uh, Greg Popovich, just for fun, for sport. Just I, I have a total distaste for them. It's not because I'm in the business. It's because you need to realize that's the conduit from you to the fans. And... I just I, – I've never thought that Mike Gundy was as special of an offensive mind as you s- sort of alluded to. I've always thought he was looking for the next job. He floated his name out there with Tennessee on several different occasions to get a raise at Oklahoma State. Has anybody really, really, really made a serious run at him? I'm not 100% sure. I think Tennessee has made phone calls over the years. Who haven't they called? But as a whole, I don't know anybody that's made a monstrous run at Mike Gundy or they would have got him. I know Oklahoma State has a lot of money. I'm well aware of that. They have incredible oil boosters. But I just don't see him as an upper-tier coach. It's been too long. If he ends his career at Oklahoma State without a national title, that's not a successful career given some of the – discussion about him being one of the top coaches and one of the top candidates in the nation. It's just not. Let's get to the Neyland district. So to compare, Caleb and I were kind of talking about this. I know we have a lot of Braves fans. If you've been to the Braves 
fairly new stadium. I guess it's what, six, seven years. But they have a battery. And the battery is basically like an outdoor mall. And but it has better stores than the mall. We're not talking about East Town back in the 80s. It has uh, like a Mizuno shop where you can go try on shoes and you can uh, kick uh, kick balls into a net. It has uh, a huge, huge uh, country western bar. It has all these different things. So a lot of people just say, I'm going to the battery, and it has nothing to do with a Braves game. That, I think, Caleb, is Tennessee's goal with this Neyland district, is to build something that is attractive to everybody involved around the game. Ideally, and I don't know if this could happen, but ideally it would be something that people would want to go to even when there's not a game being played. I don't know if that's too aggressive, if that can actually happen, but I think that would be the ultimate goal. You achieve that, you achieve a moneymaker on campus. And I'm going to tell you why I'm not crazy about it, but that would be the ultimate goal. If you've got an event that has nothing to do with a football or basketball game, but it's going to connect Neyland Stadium and Thompson Bowling Arena. What are your thoughts? Disney, Disneyland, Mr. Jones says. Uh, I like that. I'm, but I'm, I'm still in that. Thank you. Next way, coming uh, up. If you- if you look through Tennessee football history and Disney animation history, the gold, what's considered the golden age of Disney animation was right around the golden age of Tennessee football, which is the thir- late 30s, early 40s. They, they're, they're, they're history tracks. <laughs> um, I have no idea what that means, but good. Um, <laughs> and the renaissance of Disney animation was the 90s. That was the renaissance of Tennessee football. Okay, sorry. but <laughs> So I'm going to be the wet blanket for just a second on this deal. All right? Um. I don't think you're going to create a whole different venue for people to show up at. So it's not going to be the extent of the battery. I think it's just going to be a game day atmosphere, albeit that could be for basketball or football games. So there's a lot of days that it would be used. But I don't think people are necessarily going to go there instead of downtown. Now, what Danny White has working for him is there is no more stripped uh, strip. I don't know who has been down to Cumberland lately, but it is all apartment buildings. The old uh, bars and restaurants that used to be there, they do not exist anymore. It's terribly sad. So maybe, maybe students go there, but this sounds like a type of place they can't afford. So how does this fit in the grand scheme of things, Caleb, as far as Tennessee athletics? And I want to hear your thoughts on the message board. What do you think about the Neyland Entertainment District? All right, what do you got, Caleb? Oh, man, Dave is just one of those old guys. It's like, I want it my way. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I would spend, my, this money seems like it's coming out everywhere because they had a fantastic year last year. But shouldn't you spend it on coaches and now players via okay. NIL? Here's what I will say. By the way, for the record, I actually, funny enough, I actually think that one thing you missed, I still think the strip is going to actually be the reason this may not work because there are some bars. They're just not on the strip. Like cool beans is like right off the strip. And let's be honest, like, you know, that's, that's affordable and probably still going to be more fun than any place around here. Cause it's going to be too expensive. Cool beans is the exception though. I mean, they, there's not, there used to be like 18 bars. In like that a six-block section. So where I'm going to get at is, look, for those who 
I'm going to tell a story. 15 years ago, when I was a sophomore at Tennessee, before I had transferred out, my grandparents had visited. My, my late grandfather and my grandmother had come, and I showed them around campus. We walked around Nayland Stadium. We all thought south, the, the area behind the south end zone was the biggest eyesore and waste of potential of all of campus. Because it's it, for those who don't know, the south end zone goes right up to the Tennessee River, mm-hmm. and it's just... It's an eyesore, Dave. It was an eyesore and it didn't look good. And it was like, how are you letting this area go to waste? This is going to connect Thompson Bowling to Nayland from the south end zone. Finally making something appealing about that part right there before you get to Calhoun's on the river. So I think this is a brilliant idea because of that. Now you have you have a point, Danny White is thinking, this is some type of development stuff you do. Like if you are the athletic director at UCF where Danny White was or Buffalo where Danny White was, where they're more urbanized areas. Not so semi-urbanized, though. I know it's a college town, but it's it's a city. It's it's semi-urbanized, more than most college towns would be. And so I think this is actually a great idea. I, I'm a fan. And I think I think it's also, look, with sports gambling happening, you know, so big now, you might have some venues for betting. So you might just you, you could create like a Vegas little like culture right there. I mean, look, I'm sorry, man. This would this would be pretty epic. I tell you, I don't think Calhoun's is very happy about it because they had a they had that market cornered. You're talking about that south end. Everybody went there. So I bet they're not really pleased about it. I think it's yeah, gonna make parking more, ugly. <laughs> yeah, I think it's gonna make parking more difficult. You mentioned the aesthetics of it, and I never noticed that because I always grew up around Neyland Stadium selling game day programs to covering games. Um I never noticed that it was kind of an eyesore inside friends that come that came up and they said it's kind of an eyesore on the outside and the inside it looks great. Travis says it'll be stupid packed and stupid expensive. Elias says don't particularly care because it's probably going to be a crowded ripoff. I'm kind of like that too. And I don't mean to be the wet blanket. Cool. Do what you need to do and grow what you need to grow. But it doesn't really blow my skirt up. SC Scout guy said South Carolina essentially is doing the exact same thing. They bought the entire 850 acre track next to the river next to williams bryce and developing it they should have done that a long time ago that'll help south carolina yeah they and, needed something around williams bryce for years yeah and it's it's not going to be as packed so the neyland entertainment district the ned as you might call it uh, or disneyland uh, i'll take it or leave it okay, doesn't do a lot for me here's the this is why i also think it's good so remember because this I think will be better than the battery. I don't know if you guys know this. Cobb County, you probably know this, Dave. They basically fronted all the taxpayer money to build that at stadium in Atlanta without the consent of the taxpayers, and they're all they were all upset about it. And the way they thought they could supplement the revenue was to create the battery, and they haven't. They've lost money on it. It's been a I don't know if it's been a terrible deal for Cobb County. Messed up the property value. It's been horrible. They issued too many bonds. They can't pay it back. Luckily, this is the same with Nayland Stadium in Tennessee. This is going to be donors and boosters doing it. It's not like Knoxville taxpayers are funneling this money to do this. I also will believe it when I see it. I've seen a lot of these projects that ended up at about 70% of a coolness factor compared to what you thought. Two minutes, Josh Ward. What upcoming opponent should the Vols be most concerned about in order? He's got to call them on offthehooksports.com. It's fantastic as we... Ranked Tennessee's opponents, portions of the program brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Look at me. I got LASIK from Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. My near and far-sighted vision is no longer a problem, and they're local. With the local vision centers, your annual checkup, they did LASIK for me. They can do cataracts for you as well. 
Josh Ward of the Sports Animal up next two minutes. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's repair. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. This guy is the sports animal. Josh Ward joins us. He's on noon to three, the flagship station of the Vol Network right there in Knoxville WNML. Josh, how are you, sir? I'm good, guys. Great to be with you. What do you think of the Ned? Yeah, the name uh, that you're coming up with needs work. Uh, I would say that for sure. Uh, I'm workshopping it. Yeah, I like the idea that there is use for that space besides seven Saturdays a year. So trying to make a 12-month use out of a large amount of space and turn it into a useful venue, something that will look better long term that makes a lot of sense uh we can workshop the name um orange light district orange and white district can come up with some different ideas orange Orange light district i love that one we need um (laughs) yeah that we need an amsterdam is basically what we need on the river with the shows and the substances and that uh, if for any Ted Lasso fans out there, the Amsterdam episode uh, ended up being you know, it was a clean episode, and it was, uh, I think, one of the more entertaining they've had in the three seasons. So we can workshop it. it. There's there's a lot to come up with there. 
Does anybody among the three of us know somebody that's gone to Amsterdam? And have you had the discussion of what did you do while you were there? I've had a buddy went to Amsterdam and was like, what did you do when you were there? And he said, oh, we just did some stuff. And I said, so I don't believe that. Uh, And I said, so did you go one of those uh, cafes there? Yeah, maybe. I said, did you go one of the shows? You don't know they have like shows with the ladies and the gentlemen. Shows, yeah. Yeah, shows. He said, maybe. I said, you take your wife? And I was like, I don't want to hear any more about this. All right, John. (laughs) (laughs) And he actually went with his sister and his brother to one of those shows. That feels awkward to me. But I'm going to move along. All right, Josh. So you rated, you got us thinking about this originally because you pointed out that Kentucky was a game that Tennessee needs to be worried about because the way it fell on the schedule. So that got my brain tumbling, which is a scary thing. And I thought, well, hey, Josh Ward, let's rank Tennessee's opponents based off the beatability scale and how concerned they should be. So that's what we did. So talk about going into this project, which is on offthehooksports.com, and you can read it now. We're going to break it down. What you used as criteria to rank what schools where. Yeah, different collections of criteria. Uh, Austin P ranked last. It only made the list because Tennessee agreed to play the game. So Austin <laughs> P leads things off. Tennessee will win the game and will win by a lot of points. That's all that needs to be mentioned for the governors with all due respect. Uh, UConn is similar. Jim Moore did a nice job. I think was better than a lot of people expected last season getting to a bowl game. But if Tennessee had played UConn in a bowl game, the Vols would have crushed the Huskies and will do so at Neyland Stadium. Then things kind of get interesting. So in non-conference, you have Virginia, you have UTSA. I actually ranked both of them ahead of Vanderbilt. Perhaps that's too hard on the Commodores, but last year Vandy had a a good, good opportunity going in, having won a couple of games in a row. And then Tennessee, despite a deflating loss and having to change quarterbacks, absolutely steamrolled Vandy. So why won't that happen this year? This is not to say UTSA is a game that should scare Tennessee. It should not, but it's sandwiched in between two SEC games, SEC East games that will matter, and they can score points at a group of five levels. So I rank them ahead. But Kentucky, if if you want me to go through, or Dave, you can stop me whenever. I had, I do have Kentucky ahead of other opponents that might seem like they should be higher, but because of where it falls. The game is in Lexington the week after Tennessee plays in Tuscaloosa, and that is – It's difficult for anybody the week after you play Alabama back-to-back road games against a Kentucky team that will be very motivated to beat Tennessee. That game means so much to the Wildcats. This is not to say that Tennessee will lose, but that's a dangerous spot. So I have Kentucky ahead of uh, South Carolina and Florida. And South Carolina actually have probably ranked lower than where some others will have considering last year's result. But that game is circled for Tennessee. I have no concern about the Vols being ready for South Carolina when that team comes to town. couple of schools I want to discuss, and I know Caleb wants to discuss Texas A&M because he believes there's a chance that the Aggies will just disband their football program this year, not even show up at Neyland Stadium. So that would be a win by forfeit. But (laughs) South Carolina, you have it six. Did you factor in the, the revenge factor? Because of all the games that could maybe sort of be coin tosses, which I'd, I guess that would be considered after what they did to Tennessee last year. I just think the motivation factor is going to be huge. Not that you're not motivated to 
play other games, but and last mm-hmm. year was a gut punch. Yeah, I factored revenge for Tennessee, the motivation in for sure, and that's why I don't have it in, uh, it's high on the dangerous list. It's sixth. Like t- Tennessee hasn't reached a level to where you just check that game off. So South Carolina being ranked behind Florida, A&M, and Kentucky on the dangerous list doesn't mean it's an automatic win. I just look at that as one where Tennessee will play UTSA as, as much as I respect what that team is. That's a lighter opponent compared to SEC teams that Tennessee will face in terms of preparation for the next week. It'll be in Knoxville. There will be no reason for Tennessee to overlook South Carolina, quite the opposite, considering last year's result. And I still see South Carolina as a program trying to catch up to where Tennessee is. So it's a game that Tennessee could lose. But if Tennessee is focused, which I don't think was the case for everybody last year, then Tennessee should be the better team and should beat South Carolina. Josh's appearance brought to you in part by City Heating and Air Conditioning. 50 years of integrity, 50 years of service in Knoxville. Your HVAC unit may not need to be replaced, just may need a part or some coolant so you know you'll get the right call with City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com. Click the thumbs up button if you haven't subscribed yet. You're crazy because the Celebrate 98 series continues with Sean Ellis. Hit it, Caleb. Josh, it's funny. When you were naming the schedules in order, you said Florida, and then you said A&M, and then you said, I think, South Carolina, but you said Florida A&M, and I think Florida A&M would be tougher for Tennessee than Texas A&M this year. <laughs> um, uh, the, the question I have for you with how Texas A&M could be ahead of Florida. At some point, did Jim, Jimbo Fisher like try to pick up your mom or something? <laughs> Caleb hates Jimbo Fisher like nobody else. I don't hate Jimbo Fisher, but no, he didn't. And it's more likely Jimbo Fisher's ex-wife tries to pick up me. So Okay, so. <laughs> All righty. There he goes. That's high hot. That's high hot heat right there, Josh. In case y'all, I'm sure y'all all know the story on that one. Um, but. <laughs> Josh. Uh, Texas. My, my issue with you having Texas A&M ahead of Florida is that. Tennessee still has to visit Florida, where they haven't won since 2003, and they've only beaten Florida twice in the last, what, 17 years. Mm-hmm. And they get Texas A&M at home and Texas A&M off a bye. So forget, like, where the teams are going to be, and I think Texas A&M is going to be awful and collapse this year. Don't those things make Texas A&M an easier game? I mean, Josh Heupel off a bye, isn't he almost unbeatable? Yeah, so that one I probably struggled with more than any other. Uh, the the difference ended up being Texas A&M's players. Their roster is significantly better than Florida's. Texas A&M has a roster that should make almost every program in the country jealous. The problem is that it's been mismanaged and the offense has been embarrassing uh, with the a level of talent that it has and the results that we've seen the last couple of years. So you could end up being right. Like if it falls apart and Texas A&M disappoints again and they force Jimbo Fisher out despite his high buyout, I won't be surprised. And from a scheduling standpoint, I did note in the column, Tennessee has the advantage having the week off while A&M has to play against Alabama. It simply came down to players. Uh, but I agree with you in everything that you're saying about Florida. Going to Gainesville is not easy. And odds makers are making Tennessee a touchdown favorite right now at Florida, which is actually a huge number considering 
Tennessee's results there, but it's also the first game in SEC play. And what if Tennessee has a difficult time early in the game offensively and it's tied and you start to wonder. So if you say Florida should be ahead of Texas A&M, I have no strong argument against it. It simply came down to players. Uh, if, if we're wrong on the side of, okay, it's going to fall apart. Let's say Bobby Petrino does come in and work wonders with Connor Wegman, who is talented. Like Florida would love to have him at quarterback. And then all of a sudden they have this five-star running back that's come in and they have future NFL players at wide receiver. And we still have questions about Tennessee's defensive backfield. All of a sudden things could get interesting in that game. And their defense has all kinds of talent. So it was simply a roster bet on Texas A&M that they get things figured out, but it it could turn out that this is a disappointing season for A&M. And if it doesn't work out this year, they can't have Jimbo Fisher continue to coach because they have too much talent to waste it. Yeah, but man, a buy it's like still like seventy five million plus, isn't it? Man, th- th- they're in a hairy mess. I, I kind of think- drill some oil and pay it, but uh, that's if <laughs> you know that's if it doesn't work out. Uh, that just a few years ago, they were the team that everybody said that's the snub to not be in the playoff. So it, it hasn't been that long, but the, you know they they almost beat Alabama last year, uh, despite having a terrible season. They they were a play away from beating Alabama, and two years ago. They were eight and four and beat Alabama. So if they're capable of doing that, they are capable of winning in Knoxville. You know what you get right before you get to oil, right? There's a pocket of, do you know what? And it's very valuable. You might know this. Think John Ward. Josh's grandfather. <laughs> uh, six. Natural gas. Oh, there you go. <laughs> See, they could turn that into some cash as well. It could be Walter Nolan's sack. Brought to you by Natural Gas. Or they could just take some Saudi blood money for some more oil. Sorry. Golly, Kayla, just on it today. All right, so Alabama, Georgia. It is at Alabama. It's a revenge game for Alabama, but I I tend to agree with you. Georgia is still number one. Um, but was that difficult in your mind? Not really. Um yeah. And it's that's a statement about Georgia. The fact that playing in Tuscaloosa against Alabama, Nick Saban, is not the number one most dangerous game. But uh, I don't know if you've caught much of Georgia football the last two years. It's not an easy go. And Tennessee was good enough to beat Alabama. I know it was in Neyland. But Tennessee was good enough to beat Alabama, and that was with Bryce Young playing spectacular football. He was special that night in Neyland, and Tennessee won the game. Well, Bryce Young plays for the Carolina Panthers now. So uh, with the concerns that Alabama has by Alabama standards, that to me uh, creates less concern than what you face from Georgia, which also has to replace its quarterback. But Georgia's going to replace its quarterback with a very talented player who's been a part of the system, and they do have a new OC. And both games are going to be really difficult, and Tennessee will be an underdog in those two games. Right now, though, those are the only two games, Alabama and Georgia, that Tennessee would be projected as an underdog just it has to it has to show that it can be topped before it's not going to be number one on anybody's list and I, if I put this list together for anybody that had Georgia on the schedule Georgia would be the number one most dangerous game because they have NFL players all over the place let's play an over under real quick how many times could I bench press Bryce Young's weight which is roughly 195 so Caleb you set the over under Three. Okay, let's put it three and a half. 
Josh, you taking the over or under? Uh, you're a lifter. I would say over. I think it'd be over. Let's turn to the NIL. Josh and I were having a discussion, which is bizarre to think about. Uh, with There's Jamarcus Russells of the world and those type of guys. Uh, Josh Allen's. I weigh 250 and he's like at the buck 85. I'm not sure Bryce Young's going to agree to it though, just to be clear. No, and if it, if it were a person, I know this from th- doing this bench pressing my wife. Um, I know that when you have when you have a person, it's tougher because you have to balance it. That's much more difficult than just being on a bar. I'm sure you yeah. know. I'm sure you bench pressed your wife before, right, Josh? What were you going to say about nil? <laughs> So you and I were talking yesterday. <laughs> you and I were talking yesterday. I think these NIL cats, and I wrote a column about it, the transfers, even the high school guys, have way too much unfounded leverage in that they could show up in anybody's office and say, hey, uh, Arkansas State and Butch Jones offered me $250,000. Are you going to give me $350,000? And it can't go checked. Unlike all the professional leagues, you can see an offer sheet. You have no idea if the kid's lying. I would um, I would bet that every school that's active in NIL at a high level, and Tennessee would be one of those, has gotten bamboozled by a kid at some point and paid him more than he actually had on the table from another school. Yeah. I, uh, I think it's a common conversation that takes place. Recruits or transfer saying, Hey, I have this kind of opportunity and coaches having to decide what's real and what's not what's worth it. And what's not uh, now in, in some cases you'll have real offers and you'll have tampering involved and you'll have a player show the current coach who will then use it uh, against the other school. There was a good story from the athletic this week that I would recommend people check out, but uh, on the recruiting trail, especially with the way things have gone the last couple of years, I think it would be very easy for a prospect to say, well, I've got this school. They want to give me this. What can you do? Can you match? How high can you go? And a coach has to figure out, okay, what's real uh, or you know, whoever that prospect is talking to in that process and try to figure it out. And I think that can be really challenging and uh, can add to the list of headaches that coaches have to deal with. And this is not to say, Hey, feel bad for all the coaches, but remember some coaches aren't making what other coaches are in the world of college football. There a lot of coaches are still on the rise trying to manage all this and it's a lot. And there has always been a lot of lying in recruiting and that's gone both ways, coaches to prospects, prospects. To- I think Josh maybe broke up a little bit. Josh, you would have finished that last part. I think we maybe lost your microphone. What was that last part? No, we lost your microphone. What happened to your microphone? You were throwing high heat there. My issue with being able to come to a a coach and say, I'm worth this is there is no checking it. There's no checks and balances. So that's, that's the biggest concern. And, and Tennessee, let's face it, has put a target on themselves, Josh, and they've done so because they've been really open about their willingness to spend (laughs) NIL money. I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater to keep doing what you're doing, but there are some repercussions for being known as one of the greatest NIL schools in the nation right now. 
Yeah, it can be used against you, uh, or you can be used um, in the process where others. It may it may even out honestly, where sometimes you're being used. Sometimes a a prospect is using your name to try to get money from another school, and the school says we're not going that high, and then you end up getting the player at whatever the real value is. Uh, I don't know that. I just I know I know that it's creating more obstacles and it's creating more headaches and it's only going to add to the plate of what coaches and schools are having to deal with so there's the recruiting aspect there's the transfer portal level where a pro a player not even a prospect he i guess he can become one again but a player can come to a school and say hey i've heard from such and such or i've got a couple of suitors that have reached out and maybe maybe you name the school maybe you don't maybe you're telling the truth maybe you're not but then it Come, you know, there's the the valuation aspect. The collective and or the coaches, if we're being honest about how it all works, have to decide: is this real or not? Does he have a real opportunity or not? How valuable is he? How high can we go? Players talk. If we give something to somebody, does somebody else want that number or more than what he's currently getting? And it's just a lot. It's a lot, and I think there's been a lot of that over the last what a couple of years now and there will be yeah. more of it it's like asking your financial advisor to be your football coach portions of the program brought to you by andy mason real estate.com andy mason real estate.com best service best prices in knoxville 40 years of experience in his office he's my realtor should be yours you're going to waste thousands of dollars if you go with another realtor andy mason real estate.com i know we're pushing josh but caleb go right ahead well josh you and dave both disgust me Okay, (laughs) for years, for decades, college coaches have held the upper hand and they've been able to snake players all the time. Players commit to a school, they couldn't transfer, the coaches could leave whenever they wanted and the players would be screwed, players couldn't get paid. And not to sound Bernie Sanders here, but you guys sound like you're trying to protect the billionaires giving the NIL money out, okay? I'm saying, you know what? These rich people that throw this money out whenever whenever the producer or the worker or the talent gets screwed they say oh that's just capitalism that's just the market man it's just how it works all of a sudden when they're the ones getting screwed now they want some regulation all of a sudden i see so now what y'all are seeing is we need some sort of regulation to protect the millionaires that are giving out this money give out the money that's on y'all if you're stupid enough to give out too much money to players and and they and they shake you down that's how i am let the players get your get your bags players don't listen to Josh and Dave. They're holding y'all back. <laughs> I, Josh, I don't have a problem with them getting as much as they can. But as far as legislation, are we going to depend on the NCAA to legislate anything? They, In my lifetime, they've never done a great job with that. No, they have not. And uh, <laughs> uh, there, there's no way to count on them right now from what I can tell with the transfer process. Uh, uh, I, I don't have any issue with the players doing whatever they can to get money as long as we're talking about doing something legal. You know, I want to have some kind of issue with uh, illegal activity if that ends up happening. But no, a player getting what he uh, what he can, go for it. I do have a problem with Power 5 schools preying on Group of 5 schools and tampering with their players when they're on the roster. And Group of 5 coaches, those would be the examples of guys. They're nowhere close to billionaire status. Uh, and most of them are not even at millionaire status, especially if we're talking about assistant coaches at the group of five level. Those are coaches that are rising in the coaching ranks and they are trying to build a career to maybe one day get to that power five level. But if the power five school 
is tampering with their players and stealing them away, a group of five coach doesn't have a whole lot of options. If a, if a player is tampered with and he doesn't actually want to leave, he can then bring that evidence to the coach and the coach can, can do something about it. If a power five school tampers with a group of five player and the group of five player says, I'm out of here. I got my bag. I'm leaving. What's the group of five coach supposed to do? You can say, turn in the coach. Okay, well, that's really good for your career opportunity. If, if you're known for turning in coaches, even if what you're doing is r- the right thing, that's not going to help your career advancement. It also is not going to get you your player back. Your player's gone, uh, realistically, in this scenario. So uh, coaches that are not making nearly what SEC coaches or Big Ten coaches are making, those are the ones I, I feel for. The coaches at the Power Five level that are making crazy amounts of money, Yeah, I don't feel for them as much. I recognize what they're having to deal with. Those would be the coaches where I would say, okay, you need to decide. Is this for you, or do you want to move on and – do something else. Uh, there, uh, Brian Polian at LSU decided, you know what, I'm going to go do something else in the world of college football. And he left LSU where he was an assistant coach and then it transitioned to a different role in the department and decided to go to a division three school, John Carroll and said, you know what, I'm out. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do something else. So, uh, for the power five coaches, I don't feel for them for the group of five coaches or below that don't make nearly that amount of money. And they have to deal with all this extra stuff. Uh, and to have no power against it, I feel for them. Josh, I think you got to run. Last thing. I think I know where you stand on this, but let me ask both of you guys. If everybody's tampering, do you want Josh Hopple to poach people? If you're a Tennessee fan from group of five schools, not power five schools, but group of five schools, is that something you want to see? Is that something you're cool with? Caleb, should Tennessee fans be cool with that? Josh, should Tennessee fans be cool with that? Talking about from an ethical standpoint or a competition standpoint? Well, we're just going to make it a <laughs> ethical or competition yeah. um, standpoint. Well, both. I mean, no, not really. I mean, if if we're talking about actual tampering, no, I would not be cool with that. Uh, but you know, before NIL, the the truth is, if if you want the truth without all the details, is the truth is that players at every school was getting something. They were getting something somewhere along the way. That was the truth of it. Uh, and the truth of it now is that. All schools have somebody, I'm not saying the head coach, I'm not saying all the assistant coaches, but all the schools have somebody who's doing something to make sure they don't fall behind in their opportunity to get the best players possible. Because if they don't get that player, their rival will. Be good. Get out of here, man. Uh, Noon to three, WNML. I appreciate it. Thanks, Josh. Check out his column on offthehooksports.com. Be good. You got it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, bud. Have a good one, Josh. What about you, Caleb? I mean, I mean, okay, here's the thing. If all the group of five schools are being tampered with, I don't think that's going to hold back group of five coaches because they're competing at the group of five level and every other school has to deal with what they have to deal with. So it kind of evens out to a certain degree. The issue is if you're a group, if you're in a group of five, you're hoping that one of your relationships one day will get you get you to a power five job. So how would this hold it back as long as you don't snitch? (laughs) Well, but if it's tampering, what's wrong with snitching? I have I have no problem. With, I don't believe in the snitches get stitches. I have no problem with snitching if you're doing something wrong. Let's see. Is it like we say this take tampering? Okay. Well, is it tampering when a when a school call when a power five school calls a group of five coach to offer them a head coaching job? Theoretically, that's tampering. Like it's the same thing. It's just power five schools boosters of power five schools calling 
players of group of five schools and offering, hey, you want to come to this school? You can get more money. I mean, it's again, if 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 the schools themselves, I mean, that group of five coach that may not like tampering, they sure as heck don't mind it when the power of five school calls them while they're coaching the group of five school to offer them a head coaching job. Well, and this too, let's think about the kids. I mean, if you call, if you hear about this guy that's lighting it up at ETSU and you're Tennessee, I mean, it's probably his dream to play at Tennessee, right? And he would have better facilities, better support, better educational support. So I'm with you, man. I mean, tamper away. It's not like it's breaking a law. Who hasn't like, who has never, haven't we all had a job? but then at the same time been in contact with another company we'd like to work for while having this other job. Uh, That's normal. Yeah. Oh, I mean, <laughs> what, about, what about the, you know, and also it, let's take it larger. Was the SEC not tampering when they were negotiating with Texas and Oklahoma secretly to join the SEC for a year when Oklahoma and Texas were in the big 12? I mean, tampering is part of life. That's what you do. You try. I mean, so I, by the way, my favorite my favorite players getting gift story of all time is still Eric Dickerson getting what didn't he didn't he accept a car from Texas A&M? And then he Trans Am, I think. I'm sorry. I think he got a Trans Am. Oh, he did. <laughs> Trans Am. Uh, yeah, it was like a. I think it was that that group still. I don't know what they did to those guys, but they still will not say that they got anything when it's so obvious they did. Craig James and Eric Dickerson, all those guys, they're like, no, absolutely not. SC Scout guy said the thing I'd just don't want the government involved i'm fine if power five gets together and makes enforceable rules then that is fine i just don't want someone like congress getting involved i got bad news for you sc scout guy the sec wants congress involved talk to greg sankey about this at sec media days last year and i don't know that it's going to happen anytime soon because he was talking about the midterm elections that are going to slow things down and hopefully well, the presidential gets... election is going to slow things down. What's that? Now the presidential election is already ramped up. Right. And and he said that he said, and then you'll have the press. So when is it? So, I mean, I was blown away. I thought the NIL thing would have some sort of regulation within weeks or months. And he was talking years. So does it ever get in front of Congress? Probably not. And you have to remember, this isn't a nationwide scheme scandal it's not even a scandal but it's not a nationwide sports issue like the steroid thing with baseball so you're not just going to pop in front of congress on a tuesday afternoon because you're the sec and you would like a seat at the table but if if congress got involved i don't think it would change much at the the, the bottom line is guys who out there has sons if your son's 18 years old and you and he has an opportunity to go out there and make millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Is anybody going to say that that should be legislated against? When here's the, anybody? No. And here's the other big deal that people are forgetting. So the Supreme Court didn't rule this thing unconstitutional. What they ruled is that the it's the, the thing that unleashed NIO was they ruled that it violates antitrust law. For Congress to get involved, they would have to completely rework antitrust law in this country. So forget NIL for college athletes at that day at that you realize that gets into unions negotiating at Starbucks or Amazon or just worker protections that that changes or consumer protections. You realize how much that affects if they were to rewrite this law, it wouldn't just stick with NIL that law, the umbrella would 
by its very nature expand, you can't just narrow this to NIL. You see what I'm saying, Dave? Because there's broad antitrust law in this country. But couldn't you do antitrust like they do with the NFL or Major League Baseball? You're going to be better versed in this than me. So you tell me. Those are, again, that, that's the antitrust, too. It was actually, that's part of the antitrust, too. I think this goes back to the Sherman Antitrust Act in the 1880s. But the thing with the NFL and Major League Baseball, and I don't know how WWE gets away with this because their wrestlers aren't unionized. But with the NFL and Major League Baseball, what they would say is these, there's no competition for those leagues. Those are the clear cut one sole league. And you can't like go work for another league if you don't like how you're being treated. Therefore, you have to back. The, therefore, they rely. They're more sympathetic to the unions in those leagues. You see what I'm saying? Uh, Elias, great answer to the question. I'll tell you how they get around it. They use contractors. Same thing in NASCAR. NASCAR's yeah. never even tried to unionize, and I don't know wrestling, but I'm guessing guessing it's the same thing. You just collude together with four or five other decision makers. It's even easier. I mean, it's incredibly no, easy in NASCAR. Here's what WWE – but see, here's the thing with NASCAR and with college football, and this is why what I said. I can't – I don't know how WWE gets away with this. Yes, you use contractors, but if you're contracted, you own your own name. You own your own brand. You know what I mean? The NASCAR drivers, they own their own name, and they're going to get paid if they're in a video game whatsoever. WWE – they use independent contractors for the wrestlers, but they own the wrestler's nickname and their likeness. How do they get away with that? That's the most illegal thing in the world. And I, well, the bottom line is they have the power to exclude them. It's collusion is what it is. Or maybe it's not even collusion. Maybe it's just whoever's in charge. Like, like NASCAR, the Francis are the only ones. So it's really not collusion. It's just the bottom line is, you're not good enough to be a Formula One driver and we'll just run you out of the sport in America if you do something that goes against what we want. I mean, they had issues with a driver whose name escapes me that may have done drugs, didn't didn't fail a test, and he was like suspended for six weeks and he came back and he may have done drugs again and then his career was over. His name escapes me. It seems like it was Jeremy. Uh, probably somebody can uh, help me with that. All right, it's biggest bust from high school to the SEC because everybody thinks that Victor Wambanyana is just going to be the next greatest basketball player in the history of man. He's out of France. He's seven foot two. But I've seen a lot of these guys come in very ballyhooed, and we're going to discuss some of those all schools. So SC scout guy and other guys that are. Uh, fans of other schools why don't you give me some because i got a pretty good list i put together and there's tennessee guys on there as you would expect there's there's more than that and why tennessee if you're going to take basketball seriously you you can do it like this afternoon you can take basketball seriously and you can change your program and you can be in the final four next year and i'm going to tell you how right after this and it's pretty darn easy two minutes off the hook sports and Craving Wings South North Shore location where we've heard people say that you can get the best wings in East Tennessee. Pero quien es este? El número 87, Jacob Warren. I'll just do six for my sauce 87, please. Imposible, señorita. Dale seis más. Look at these wings. Perfectas, deliciosas, fantásticas. Man, I don't know what you're saying, but it sounds awesome. How do you say fresh, never frozen in Spanish? Frescas, nunca congeladas. Make your way to Craving Wings and get you seis más. But what was funny about Cadis, we were a full continuum of care at that time. We had detox, we had inpatient, we had outpatient. So we were doing a lot of the things that we do now. 
but now we just do them so much better. It's really a simple program, but it's, we're complicated people. I am what I am, and now i got to do something about it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vassy's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vassy Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Elias saying Jesse Ventura led a unionization drive in the 80s, and Hogan ended up being a snitch. Yeah, and then later on, on video, he found himself with something that rhymes with snitch. <laughs> you see what I did there? Yeah, Hogan's have, not you watched, have you watched that TMZ versus Hulk Hogan thing? Or Gawker? Gawker. Gawker. I, we, we covered it at USA Today. It's pretty It's pretty intriguing. It's a pretty neat thing. There were no um, good guys in that, but Hogan was the one who deserved He was right in the lawsuit, but like Hogan's a bad dude. He's a snake. Uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty shady. So um, I don't think the, the players in college football could ever unionize, so I'm just going to – I'm just gonna move on. Um, yeah, they can. But yeah. the the thing is that before we move on, the businesses won't own their likeness. That's the thing. That's the that's the scandal with WWE is that they're contractors, which is fine. But then at the same time, they say we own your likeness. That's criminal. What Vince McMahon is doing. Okay, so I know a lot of people out there aren't NBA fans, so this isn't an NBA conversation. But <clears throat> Victor Wambanyana, well, he will be the number one pick by we now know the San Antonio Spurs. And I have not seen this much hype for a basketball player since LeBron James. And I will be honest with you, when I, I was old enough, you might have been a little too young, but I was old enough, Caleb, to watch LeBron a whole like whole games. I wanted to have a really strong opinion on it. I think this guy is a considerably better prospect than LeBron James. And I know that sounds insane. But with that comes these huge expectations, and a lot of people will just jump to the next step, which is he's going to be a six-time champion and an all-star. So we do that, too, with college football prospects in high school. So some of the top high school prospects that bombed out, let me hear from the message board, whether it's your favorite school or someone else that you can remember 
I'm going to start with a Tennessee guy, and then I'm going to go to a Georgia guy. But I can remember Brian Darden, and this might be before your time. Do you remember the name Brian Darden? Uh, I learned from you and Fred White about Brian Darden. Yeah, not only was he highly ballyhooed, but he showed up on campus, and in preseason camp, he looked like he was the man. I still don't completely understand what happened, but I remember Jimmy Himes saying that he was going to be the next great Tennessee tailback. He was a total bust. So that's one for Tennessee. D says Ronnie Pillows. I don't remember a Ronnie Pillows. What about you, Caleb? While I look up Ronnie Pillows, is there one that sticks out to you? Well, there's a running back that sticks out to me that went to Tennessee that's not Brian Darden, and it was a little over a decade later, later a guy by the name of Bryce Brown. <laughs> Best player in the country. And... Do, you give, do you give him any sort of though a pass because of the confusion of the program around him i mean, I mean he, he went on to, he went on to play a couple of good years in the nfl he had a, like two semi-decent years never saw any real success um i think that i don't know i when he was a late commit there just seemed a lot of things you know more about we were covering the team there just seemed a lot of things surrounding Bryce Brown beyond just the confusion surrounding the program. I mean, again, it seemed a little devious, wasn't it, to commit a month late after signing day? Um, and yes. then, you know, he, I, I don't know. There's just some weird things with him. I, I, I another one for me, uh, I want the South Carolina guys to come. One guy I remember, and I don't know why it sticks out, but anybody remember Ricardo? They're coming in left and right. Go ahead. Anybody remember Ricardo Hurley? I don't remember Ricardo Hurley. We got, Rucker, we got a vote for Harrison Bailey, the quarterback, Quincy Prigmore. Um, oh, Slick Shelley. Now, I I will tell you this, Travis. I knew at the time that Slick Shelley was pretty far down on Tennessee's board. So that one was an incredible surprise to me that he was one of the last receivers they would take. He just had a cool name and looked he looked slick. I mean, he was a long strider type of guy. So that one didn't surprise me. Here, I reached out to a, an SEC source that covers um, several different schools. So how about this? Mitch Mustang. Mitch Mustang. That's a pretty big bust. And if you remember, he was at Springdale, Arizona, and he had two really highly rated players around him one was a, a tight end and then he had um uh, a running back i believe that was highly rated they both had great careers and just busted out here's another one lsu so mitch mustaine went to arkansas flamed out uh ryan perlu lsu who remembers that one i remember that john chavis couldn't figure him out in the 2007 sec championship game <laughs> how many times we heard that story yeah, no, he's about the only one that couldn't figure him out. Now, <laughs> there's, a, there's a Georgia running back that I know that you know. And he was just, as many great running backs as they've had, he was supposed to be the best. Can anybody remember who I'm talking about? Georgia running back. Rhymes with Banks. Speaking of James Banks, was a big, huge bust because of his own ego. Jasper yeah. Sanks. Yeah, there you go, Elias. Jasper Sanks was supposed to be the next Herschel Walker. There was no doubt about it. Um, so that was one. Um, and I'm curious if you guys have any more because we, and listen, 
that's part of the fun of recruiting. You know, we we got so far yesterday down the path of the Emmanuel Okoye guy that Caleb, you said that he might contribute this year when we went into it thinking he was a project player. So it's fun to go down that path. Uh, the other one was Jonathan uh, uh, Congo. Was it my pronunciation? Congo, Jonathan Congo. Yeah, Jonathan Congo. So okay, somebody said, let's be yes, fair. Said Congo. To me they hope that he's not that guy. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, to be fair to Congo, see, a lot, I, I'm always friendly, and this is high school and college to the NFL. There's two types of bust to me. Or there's actually three types. There's one that they were just overvalued and not as good. That's rare. I actually think that's rarer than we give it credit for, but that does happen. Then there's two others that are more common. One, injury. You know, you injury can be a, a factor. The other one, the one where I have no problem calling somebody a bust and I have no fun laughing at them is when they self-sabotage. So James Banks, laugh at him all day. He ruined his own career and deserves everything that, he, that comes with that because it was his fault for being so stupid. And no sympathy. But Congo, I give him a bit of a break because if you remember, Butch Jones asked him to put on weight to move him into the middle at defensive tackle, slowed him down. Pruitt comes, moves him back to edge rusher, but he couldn't get he couldn't trim down the weight he had put on. And then he suffered a season ending injury. Yeah, it's probably kind of a tweener either way. Elias says uh, uh, it's a who's who of the Kiffin class for bust. It is. They had more felons than first team all SEC players in that class. No, I'm, that's not a joke. I mean, if you want to go back and <laughs> count them up, I know. Yeah, I mean, they've got a guy who murdered somebody. Um, so that's that's bad. Uh, that was a big reach class. Um, but you know, we do get excited, and this Victor Umbanyana is is exciting. Is exciting to watch. But so he's was not Fred a better Ray. prospect than LeBron James, by the way. I think he is. He can't pass. He can't pass to save his life. All you got to do is well, double team I mean, and I, turn it over every well, LeBron time. Couldn't, LeBron couldn't shoot and still can't. Yeah, but LeBron's so big he can drive to the basket. LeBron, this, Victor Wimbanyana has the same problem Kevin Durant has, and it's going to be the same problem in the NBA, which is if you ever double team Kevin Durant, he is a deer in headlights. He's a complete waste once you put two guys on him. Well, but then you, but Kevin Durant's one of the top five players of all time. Victor Wimbanyana is he not a bust if he's one of the top five. Kevin Durant's five not players. top 10. He is top 10. No, Come he's on. not top 10. No, right. he's not. The thing is, have you ever noticed you double team Kevin Durant? There's somebody open and Kevin Durant ain't smart enough to find the open guy. Never does. He won two titles because he was on a loaded team that had like shooters all over the place and he got one MVP. But I think Kevin Durant, again, you got to be able to be a semi-decent passer. And Victor Wambanyan is a horrible passer. He has horrible court vision. Did you see how many bad shots LeBron took in game one because he wants to be a three-point shooter? I, 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 I'm I not saying Victor Wambanyana is going to be LeBron. Chances are he won't have the drive and he won't have the health. But looking at those two dudes coming out of high school, period, into discussion, not knowing what happens, I think Wambanyana is a transitional, generational type of talent. And turns out LeBron has been as well. But I thought LeBron was very, 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 a very, very good magic. And I think Juan Banyana is a different player altogether. Like, wouldn't, I think he is. Juan Banyana just be a better Kevin Durant? No, I think he's better than that. I, I mean, just as a prospect, I'm not saying he will be better. Okay, please don't, don't hold me to this. But like Michael Vick, to me, he's like Michael Vick. Michael Vick came in or Randall Cunningham to go even back further. And he changed the way the game was played. I think that you're – I think you're going to see that out of this kid as long as he's healthy. But, man, he does need to go to a buffet. You guys are absolutely right. And then, 
<laughs> yeah. And then um, you got this guy named Caleb Love, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to be the what the H guy because I, I think that Tennessee basketball can hit another level if they get serious, and they need to get serious right now. What the? What was he thinking? Release the hose. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Okay, so if you don't know who this cat is, then you don't watch a lot of basketball. But Caleb Love, after a fantastic tournament two years ago, he decommits from Michigan after transferring from UNC. All right, Tennessee, are you serious? You got the NIL money. Do you want to be a basketball school as well as a football school? Or do you want basketball just to kind of be the uh, post-dinner liqueur? Okay, because you can go get this cat. You throw $10 million at him. You got him. He's a shooter. He's exactly what you need. Go get him. Go get him. Don't even make it close. Just say you need to be of all. Rick Barnes has North Carolina ties. I'm sure he can find his number. Just be done with it. And this guy could have as big of an impact on a basketball team for one year as Nico could have on a football team for one year. Go get him. Go get him. And for the SEC schools that want to be taken seriously in basketball, the Alabamas and the Auburns of the world, why is nobody else going after him? Um, he, why does the SEC have this kind of, we'll let him go somewhere else, let him go to Michigan or an ACC school? Go get this kid. Am I missing something? I mean, you got the cash. Yeah, you're missing something. And what you're missing is this kid is massively overrated and living off a tournament run in 2022. That's it. That's all he's got. Uh, for the record, I am the genius basketball talent evaluator, clearly. On this he's a, well, he's a better shooter than anybody Tennessee has. No, he's not. He shot 29.9% from three last year. Two years ago, he was 38, 37.8% from the field in general. He can shoot, and he shoots mid-range shots. The mid-range is dead. He's a fit for Barnes because Barnes believes in these low-percentage stupid shots, but... I don't think it's a conducive to winning. If Caleb Love is going to fit anywhere, it's going to be at, Cal- at uh, Kentucky because of Calipari's dribble drive, which would work in his favor. Rick Burns doesn't run the dribble drive. And well, Calipari doesn't want to do a bunch of NIL deals because he calls it tripping over nickels to get to millions. Well, so Calipari doesn't-, doesn't have to worry because players don't need NIL because they know if they play for Calipari, they'll be in the NBA in, year- in a year as first-round picks with way more money anyway. Um, I think this guy'd be a great fit for Barnes. I don't. I think he would hold Tennessee back. I do. I think he's overrated. I think he would take. He would be way too much of a volume shooter. I think he'd be Tyreek Key, but taking way more shots. Five star prospect coming out of high school. Miss. It was a miss. Clutch in the NCAA tournament two years ago for UNC. Okay. Yes. He. Okay. Clutch. Clutch has to come with like being good enough to get you there. <laughs> and so it's kind of like the, the Peyton Eli talk when people would say Eli's more clutch. It's like, okay, yeah, but you're still taking Peyton every time. Because even though Eli's more clutch in the postseason, you don't know if Eli can get you to the postseason. So you take Tyreek Key over Caleb Bluff every time. I didn't so say well. that. I just said he'd be Tyreek Key with a lot more shot, taking a lot more shots. Make a lot more shots. Go to craftreats.com <laughs> if uh, your dog is 
having any issues with indigestion or having any issues with arthritis and also anxiety. They'll take care of you. So you have got to go to crafttreats.com, use a promo code off the hook, promo code off the hook, get 20% off the chill pills with the CBD derivative or any of their fine treats. They are awesome. So check it out. Um, D says $10 million for a one-year wonder. No way. Well, I was exaggerating a little bit. Are you How telling me ten million dollars for a one-year mediocrity? Sorry. Well, no. Okay. So what would? So you you're telling me you wouldn't even take him? Like I if he called tennis. Oh, that's obscene. <laughs> He's overrated. Obscene. Overrated. Did you see the fact they couldn't make any shots in the tournament? He may be overrated based off of his five star, but he's a bona fide starter in college basketball and started for UNC, which is a better program than Tennessee historically. And Hubert Davis is on the hot seat for UNC underachieving last year. Well, yeah, but did, what did he do the year before? That was, okay, Dave, you know this. How many times can coaches, can teams get red hot and make a Final Four run? And then that, North Carolina made a Final Four run in 2000 against Tennessee. And that was, I forgot who was coaching them at that time, but he wasn't that good of a coach. And that the scout was, guy says he'd take him. So, okay, let me ask you this. Would you pay $10 million if you're Jim Haslam for a Final Four run right now? Guaranteed Final Four run, write the check, whatever it is, Caleb Love or, Love or whoever, would you write the check to make a Final Four run? Yes, the principle of opening up the checkbook to get elite basketball talent, I'm with you on. I just, if we want to talk about that. You don't, on the think, he's the guy. You don't think he's the guy. I just don't think he's the guy. I would pay $10 million. To get well, the here's, the, four, the, yeah. here's the thing you have to remember. Tennessee's not going to get the guy until they prove they can get to the final four. So it's the chicken or the egg thing. Well, you're not going to get to the final four with Caleb Love. Okay. That was a fluke run two years ago. That's not happening. You got to get there with somebody. They're recruiting is a bunch of transfers who are just kind of okay. And Mm. this guy's better than the the transfers they've taken in. They're recruiting well. Remember they have JP Estrella, Cade Phillips, Freddie DeLeon coming in. Those are all four stars. I just named. Well, I was talking about transfer guys. The transfers okay. they did in recently. Yeah, they're, they're, they're recruiting they're recruiting sharpshooters because they need more shooting. Because, as I said last year, Tennessee couldn't buy a bucket. Okay. So you want to turn down the best shooter in the 2022 NCAA tournament? Yes, because that was the biggest fluke of all time. He got hot the way, like, how many? Yes, it, he's a, that was a fluke run, that 2022 NCAA tournament. He's overrated. He's not that good. This is – that NCAA tournament run is – I'm trying to think of a player – Who's a player that like had a great bowl game and we thought they were great because of the bowl game? Well, Dave might say Joe Milton, but <laughs> okay. So, but, uh, uh, great. Think of a play- yeah, oh, I mean, you know what that, you know what that 2022 NCAA tournament run is? Oh, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. That 2022 NCAA tournament run is the equivalent of Alex Brown's 1999 performance against Tennessee when Florida played Tennessee. Alex Brown became an All-American type player and considered an NFL draft pick because of that one game. And you and I know, Dave, he was one of the most overrated players that ever played football. Yeah, and well, that was T shaking his hands, if I remember correctly, right? T Did shook his, his hand. hand. Yeah, no, like when he was under center, he would shake his hands right before the snap. So Alex was reading that. Oh, he, okay. Well, yeah, so... That, I yeah, actually so it, I think I did hear about that. But like, yeah, so it made him look a lot better than he was because he was getting a, pr- a pre-snap read. And I don't even think he told his teammates, which sometimes you don't do because then some idiot defensive tackle will tell, you know, he'll mention to the offensive lineman, hey, we got you, you're shaking your hands. And 
I, I think Alex Brown just totally, totally took advantage of that situation. That made, him a three him. Year, that made him a three-year household name at Florida, and he never had another game like that. But people kept talking about him like he was a star because of that one game. Somebody to shake his hands. That's what he needed. Have a fantastic uh, <laughs> afternoon, morning, day. Whenever you're watching, we appreciate it. Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. That is live wherever you stream, in particular YouTube and Twitter, at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll talk to you next time. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.